0: The failure to act with sufficient ambition to avert the climate catastrophe will be the greatest moral failure of our time.
1: Making changes takes courage, and if we don't change things, we won't have a future.
0: I'm an environmentalist. A lot of people don't understand that. I think I know more about the environment than most people. You have stolen my dreams and my childhood with your empty words. Change is coming, whether you like it or not. Zero
1: Carbon East. Hello and welcome to Zero Carbonista. I'm Ian Collins for newcomers to this podcast. This is, I think we're at episode eight. So where the heck have you been? This series is all about the views, thoughts, campaigns, and ideas of one man. Dale Vince is an entrepreneur who's built his success in the green energy sector. He's the owner of Ecotricity, the world's first green energy company. He also built his first windmill back in 1996. On top of all of that, for football fans, he's the chairman of Forest Green Rovers, the world's first vegan football club where he sits there, as I say, as club chairman. Um, On each episode, of course, we'll try and bring you the latest, most salient issues from the biggest agenda right now on the planet, the environment and, of course, climate change. And it's interesting, Dale, that I think if we'd have tried this podcast maybe... And just even a couple of years ago, and we tried to suggest that environmental issues were the biggest agenda. We might have been laughed out the room a little bit.
0: Yeah, that's right. No doubt about that. And yet. Yeah. At the last election, so many of us hoped it would be the climate change election, the climate crisis election, and it wasn't, was it? That election was dominated by Brexit. And if you look at what's happening in Ireland, or just happened in yeah. Ireland, again, many people hoped it would be the climate crisis election, and it wasn't. Why is it was that? dominated I mean, by d- domestic issues?
1: Yeah, I was, of course, lots of domestic issues. And Varadkar, of course, was doing his bit to say, you know, I am the man that has his finger on the pulse, and he, he talked a lot about Brexit himself, almost as if he was the kind of, you know, saviour of the remainder of the EU. And maybe that didn't play too well for him. But what I'm interested in is why the Green Party, uh, again, you know, similarly to this country, and just not returning the goods at the ballot box?
0: Well, I think that's a different question. First, I just want to say that I think the reason that we're not getting the climate dominating the elections is, uh, is human nature, because domestic issues tend to come to the fore. And even though the evidence of the climate crisis is right before us and so many more people now accept that it's a fact uh, than did before even sure. so when we get to an election in britain you know our domestic issue was obviously brexit uh, more than anything else in ireland uh, you know as i read it, it it's been about homelessness and joblessness and stuff like that and maybe brexit uh, you know played a played a part in that as well but i think It's human nature to put kind of immediate personal domestic needs ahead of the, you know, the bigger, longer term, more altruistic stuff. And that's just happening. Why are the Greens not cutting through? That's an interesting question. As you say, it happened in our election and it's just happened in the Irish election as well. And it may be that it's partly because awareness of the issues around the environment and, and, and policies around the environment are now so prevalent in mm. politics that the Greens no longer uh, are so distinguishable. Actually, if you look at uh, look at Labour's policies for the yeah. last election, the Green Industrial Revolution, stuff like that, that, I mean, that was amazing. And we would have had an incredibly Green government. And I remember having a chat to our local Green candidate about that, and she complained to me, a lady called Molly Scott Cato. She said, but Labour have stolen all of our policies. And I remember saying to her, you should be pleased because you know, they have a chance to put them into action as a government yeah. and it could be that the greens have just lost their distinctiveness because well, everybody yeah, gets it I mean the Tories can't... talk about going carbon neutral by 2050 don't they and yeah. and obviously Boris made an announcement last week that we're going to talk about in a minute and um, you know it's becoming mainstream so I
1: guess it, in a curious way the greens have almost campaigned themselves out of <laughs> out of being in office because they've they've they, they've almost advanced as a more of a campaigning organisation, if you like, than a political party. Maybe, rightly or wrongly, that's how people will see them. And as you say, other political parties have taken on and thought, well, actually, that makes sense, that makes sense, we'll adopt that, we'll have that, we'll embed that. Uh, And that has kind of slightly made them redundant in a curious way.
0: I think it would be the most perfect outcome for any campaigning organisation to campaign themselves out of existence, uh, out of the need for themselves. You know, Greenpeace or Friends of the Earth could do that, or Extinction Rebellion. Uh, you know, and I know Extinction Rebellion would be chuffed. I, I don't know about Greenpeace and Friends sure. of the Earth, because uh, I think there's always a danger with uh, NGOs that they get rather entrenched uh, in their own existence and and less focused on, uh, you know, solving the problems and undoing the need for sure. themselves than uh, just existing as a NGO and a charity. But uh, yeah, I think a perfect outcome if we no longer need the Green Party. No, uh, no offence intended in saying that, but you know, one day. Uh, one day we won't need the Green Party because everybody else will get it.
1: Well, let's come back then to the uh, the, the government of the day. Your uh, your good friend Boris Johnson. Uh, of course, he was uh-huh. speaking. He was speaking just last week. Here's what he had to say: It is now predicted, unless we take urgent action, to get three degrees hotter, and in the hurricanes and the bushfires and the melting of the ice caps and the acidification of the oceans, the evidence is now overwhelming uh, there it is though the evidence is now overwhelming says our own prime minister i mean you've given him a bit of a tough time and not really believed in the the johnson font of wisdom i think we can fairly say is he getting it now or are there other things going on in the background here
0: i think if i've been giving him a tough time up until now it's been about brexit it's been about the illogicality uh, of what he says and what he's you know been trying to do Uh, to our country and stuff like that so it's not been about the climate because he's not really been particularly active on that front you know last three four years of british politics have been dominated by brexit at the Mm. cost of everything else i do hope that he gets it i've said that before you know we'll see now whether he does get it Uh, i think the clip you played was the launch of uh, cop 26 yeah david attenborough went there to uh, help him out a little bit we'll hear from him in a sec give him a bit of a uh, bit of cred i think what boris said a lot of it was lifted from the uh, resignation letter of uh, claire perry claire o'neill uh, i should say uh, yeah, i mean he it
1: was heading up cop 26 of course
0: until
1: yeah, got,
0: she got him. sacked or got sacked <laughs> yeah one of us no same. she got sacked absolutely <laughs> uh, but you know I, I read the i read the her letter and and she put the science position perfectly and uh, boris johnson repeated that also rather perfectly but fair play I just hope he means it. And that's always the doubt with Boris Johnson, whether he means it.
1: What, what about the big headline that came out of it, of course, was the petrol, diesel. You won't be able to buy a new one after 2035. That was 2040. I think they've, they've brought that forward five years. I'm imagining if you were marking that work as a teacher, it would be good, but could do better.
0: I think I would go back to what I just said. Does he mean it? Yeah, because. Within days of that announcement, that's so, say, policy announcement of the foreshortening by five years, we had a letter from OLEF, the uh, Office of Low Emission Vehicles, part of the government, saying that actually it's a consultation, not a policy change, and inviting uh, the industry to join in the consultation process for that change. Sure. So it doesn't appear to actually be a policy change that Johnson announced, although he announced it as if it was.
1: Well, on the same day, this is what David Attenborough said.
0: We all know the
1: dangers We all know the potential catastrophe. We've had
0: quite enough of talk about that. But now, although we've now all agreed on the problem, we now have to do something about it.
1: And I'm assuming, Dale, you would look at that as a man who does get it.
0: Yeah, definitely. And, you know, when I don't know, I didn't say this, but you know, go back to the idea of uh, changing the date from 2040 to 2035. Yeah, it's definitely... Movement in the right direction, but I don't think it's enough. Yeah. Um, it's hardly acting with a with a sense of urgency. I think sufficient to the crisis. 2030 would be an ambitious date. I think it's doable as well. Uh, 2035 is three parliaments from now. Uh, and, you know, in the context it of this climate crisis, I just, it's not good enough, really.
1: And also, you, you'll you still be able to drive your gas cars. Exactly. Um, so, yeah. so there's nothing being banned. I mean, one could argue that between now and then, maybe they'll make it harder for you to drive. Road tax will be more expensive and there'll be more congestion charges in towns and cities, one would, I suppose, reasonably assume.
0: Yeah, I mean, it could take 20 years to clean the fleet of cars up completely to be electric, couldn't it, from yeah. that date, 2035 or whenever it turns out to be, because of the rate at which new cars... Uh, go on the roads and old cars, leave the roads. It could easily be twenty years before we've got a substantially electrified fleet of cars.
1: Here's a question from Viv on Twitter who says, Dale, do you fancy stepping up to lead cop twenty six? We just mentioned this. Um, <laughs> Claire Perry, uh, by all accounts, I always thought quite a good egg and uh, she, she there she was appointed as the the, the, the chair as it were of of, of cop twenty six and then she was fired. I mean, the job is obviously vacant. David Cameron didn't want
0: it. Oh Michael Gove, as I understand the, it. The
1: environmentalist Michael Gove, are you
0: talking about? <laughs> yeah, that one. <laughs> yeah. yeah. yeah, It's like a reincarnation um, of
1: David Bellamy, isn't
0: he, really? <laughs> yeah, a mini one. He's a mini me. <laughs> but reading Clara O'Neill's resignation letter is quite clear that we're woefully unprepared for COP26. Uh, you know, the French prepared for COP25 probably a year in advance and uh, went on a major diplomatic offensive around the world to get everybody on the same page. We've done nothing so far and not even had a cabinet meeting about it. So it looks like a bit of a perhaps poison chalice for anybody, which may be why David Cameron ducked it and Gove as well, but uh, it'll never come my way, and I'm probably not, to answer the question, probably not qualified or capable of uh, managing something like that realistically.
1: I would imagine it's probably a monumental ball ache, well, regardless of the <laughs> regardless of the seriousness of what is going on. Yeah. You, you're clearly, de- I mean, maybe David, perhaps David Cameron's smartest move in his entire adult life was been to say, I'm not going to take this on because I would imagine you are dealing with probably quite a lot of egos and a lot of politics as well. You just want to get on with it, but you're maybe not even allowed to get on with
0: it. Yeah. I reckon David Cameron's smartest move in his adult life was actually to resign rather than have to deliver Brexit. (laughs) That was smart. Um, But yeah, I mean, I would lack the patience for that kind of process for the, you know, the diplomatic niceties, yep. the language, the evasions, the prevarications and all that kind of stuff, because, you know, I feel the urgency uh, and I prefer to speak directly and plainly. And I, I do prefer that people do the same. So I, I don't think I would do too well sure. in, uh, in a cop.
1: You you might not follow the rule book, is what I'm sensing from what you're saying.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, I might be a bit demanding. (laughs) Which which has always
1: held you in pretty good stead the last time I looked, so uh, nothing nothing fundamentally wrong with that. Uh, This in from David on Facebook. Surely Chris Packham doesn't agree with your bird-killing windmills, says... Uh, David, I, I don't know what he's referring. Well, he's obviously referring to Trump and the windmill comment. Well, I don't know why Chris Packham comes into this. Has he been making noises about windmills?
0: Uh, I went to meet him last week. Uh, it, uh, that'll be what it is. And, oh, okay. um, Yeah, we posted it on social media. Uh, Chris, Chris Packham is a fan of wind energy, and you know, as are the RSPB. This is a topic that comes up every now and then. Properly cited windmills aren't a problem for birds. Sure, um, it's as simple as that.
1: Let's talk. Uh, We'll come on to EU uh, deforestation in a second, because that's an interesting story. But um, food is something that we talk about a lot on on this podcast, Dale, because it's, you know, very absolutely central, in in fact, intrinsic, key to everything we talk about when it comes to the environment and environmentally-based issues. Food, the food chain, the food supply is absolutely centre to it.
0: Yeah, and the choices that we make, isn't it? And, uh, you know, I've been... uh been watching the news and the rise of the coronavirus uh which which i misread every time i see it as the Carnovirus, virus <laughs> and, and there's something in that because i i tend to think of it as something that's come out of uh, a food choice it's the choice to eat animals uh and that has allowed this virus to cross uh from from animals to humans and and it's not the first time it's done it um, sars was an example of the same thing sure bird flu you know look at um other health crises in the past, like uh, mad cow disease, for example. Then you've got the current wrangle over chlorinated chicken. Boris Johnson was talking about it the other day. Um, It'll be a central feature of any UK-US trade deal. Um, And, you know, the practice of chlorinating chicken isn't just a uh, animal welfare issue. It is a human health Mm. issue because... It allows bad practice in animal rearing, uh, which is then compensated for by by washing in chlorine. And if you look at the U.S., they have hundreds of cases per year of deaths by salmonella uh, currently. And currently in Britain, we have none. And all all of these uh, bits and pieces kind of, uh, in my opinion, reflect the dangers of eating meat. So in a kitchen, you have to take great precautions when you're treating raw meat, uh, cleaning surfaces afterwards and that kind of stuff, because basically... They're full of pathogens uh, and they're dangerous. And if you don't cook, let's say chicken properly, then you're at risk of uh, you're at risk of death actually. And and I find that yeah. um, uh, it's worth saying that if you don't cook a vegetable properly, all you get is an al dente vegetable. You know, there's no inherent risk in eating plants, is what I'm trying to say. Sure. But uh, in in eating uh, animals, there is. Um, again, if you look at uh, chicken. In the US, 80% of all antibiotics consumed are actually fed to animals, and they're not fed to animals to cure them of something. They have two purposes. One is to fatten them more quickly, and the other is to allow them to be stocked more densely. Uh, It's a preventative to stop them uh, spreading diseases amongst themselves. It's a misuse of antibiotics, which is contributing more than anything else to the rise of resistant superbugs. Around the world, which, yeah. which are threatening—you know—could could kill 100 million people, uh, you know, in the next few decades globally. I mean, it shouldn't
1: be—it P- shouldn't be rocket science, really, to to work out that actually the correlation between food and health, you know, is, is pretty obvious. And if you consider the kind of gunk that gets put into quite a lot of the food chain, either directly, perhaps more worryingly, indirectly, when you talk about what animals eat before or injected with before it gets to our plates, etc., then. You know, one kind of wonders why that's not a whole bigger story. So the amount of disease that would come via merely the conduit of just eating food is clearly mm. vast.
0: It is. That's what I'm trying to say. I think, and the practices of uh, animal farming, particularly intensive animal farming, they're really sure. dark. Uh, you know, really, really quite depraved. Um, but but it it doesn't get enough spotlight here's a couple of
1: questions uh, Phil on Twitter can you get your podcast loaded onto YouTube please I only get to hear the ones you publish on Facebook I'm sure we know a technical man Dale that can maybe do that
0: I hope so I'll ask yeah. will when yeah I get will's off.
1: always good we don't. We, nobody knows much about will and his endeavors but you know what we do know is that he makes stuff happen in a kind of you know almost UN military sort of fashion St- you say it to will it happens the next day i i, I fear the man is more connected than he's uh, than he's telling any of us um this one comes in from lizzie on facebook you'll have to give some context to this as well if you can i'm a long-term EcoTrusty customer i have two of your eco bonds is there another one coming i'd love to be involved can you explain then dale what what is an eco bond how it works and can lizzie get another one
0: yeah, I think we launched our first eco bond maybe 10 years ago, and uh, the idea was to uh, give our customers and other people actually the chance to share in the financial benefits of building new renewable energy projects, uh, wind farms or wind parks, sun parks, that kind of stuff. And so I think we raised about 10 million pounds the first time offering about 7% interest rate, a little bit more for customers uh, and it went down really well. It was fully subscribed um, and we used the money to build some new wind parks and then we did an EcoBond 2 and I think we're up to EcoBond 4 at the moment. we raised about 40 million quid that way in total. Wow. And. Um, we, we've been thinking about another bond for the projects that we've got coming soon because there's been a hiatus in the building uh, programme for us, well, for everybody, you know, due to the Conservative government. But we've got some stuff happening this year and we can see some more stuff coming. So it's been crossing our mind. But one of the things we wanted to do was to go from um, the kind of bond that we've done at the moment, which can't be traded to something that's listed because it gives people the chance to get in and get out when they like. And so we've been looking at having a listed bond, and that's, that's on our list of things to uh, to land maybe in the next 12 months or so.
1: OK. Uh, and a final story to end on, but a, a deeply worrying one, I think, for most people. Let me, let me just read you this, Dale, as it came through on the news wires. The European Union wants to protect climate and reduce carbon emissions from motor vehicles by blending fuels with increasing shares of supposedly eco-friendly biofuels. Last year, 1.9 million tonnes of palm oil were added to diesel fuel in the EU in addition to millions of tonnes of equally harmful rapeseed and soybean oils. The plantations needed to satisfy Europe's demands for palm oil covers an area of 700,000 hectares, land that until recently was still rainforest, and the habitat of 5,000 endangered orangutans. This, it's not comfortable reading, looking at this, and to go slightly against the grain of what we thought was a progressive EU We're all about cutting down on this kind of caper
0: yeah I'm totally against the use of uh, biofuels like that to substitute uh, for fossil fuels uh, I don't think they make any sense not environmentally not in terms of uh, you know the wildlife depletion that comes from it as well that vast area of land that's being used to grow uh, palm oil is presumably not just for the diesel supplement that you mentioned but also for food which is yeah. another uh, area of great concern I think but to use essentially food ingredients to to uh, dilute uh, fossil fuels for some uh, you know claimed environment benefit I, I think is nonsense we've just got to move to that proper transition to electric transport
1: Can we just finally have a donald trump clip i mean we
0: i've
1: now <laughs> we realized have to. it doesn't doesn't it even matter if they're environmentally based not when he says stuff like this
0: today I'm proud to declare that the United states is in the midst of an economic boom the likes of which the world has never seen before. America is thriving, America is flourishing, and yes, America is winning again like never before.
1: And as it, st- <laughs> as it stands at the moment, now this looks like the man to win again.
0: Yeah, the polls certainly indicate he's uh, he's in with a shout, don't they? Uh, perhaps more so than they did at, at his first time of trying. Um, scary thought, but here's... Um, Here's a happy thought to end on. He only gets five more years, unless he changes the constitution. But I don't think he's going to be able to do that. There you go.
1: And that is a moment to finish on. Dale will speak on the next episode.
0: Thanks, Ian. Look forward to it.
1: And that is it for this episode. Don't forget, of course, to subscribe for free from your podcast provider so that you get each one automatically and also leave a review as well. That's really important stuff. Equally as important, crucial slash vital that you follow Dale on social media. That's Twitter.com slash Dale Vince, Facebook.com slash Dale Vince. We'll see you on the next one.
0: Zero carbon. East off.